What difference can one banana make in a global pandemic? I didn't keep myself from going bananas. After a little while, I realized that not only did I need solutions for my business, but the public also needed solutions to their problem. I actually continued going bananas and continued doing shows. And so I, I really never stopped. We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage. But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken, and I just celebrated my birthday. I'm sure as many of you know, those of you who have celebrated birthdays or special holidays and events in the past few months during this mandated stay-at-home period, it's kind of a challenge. For some people, it's turned out to be a bit of a lonely experience. For others, it's been a forcing function to learn how to actually make calls from the cell phone or figure out how to use that video chat so that you can stay in touch and connected with family and friends. But for all of you out there who have had special celebrations or who will have them, today's special show is just for you. We're joined today by a celebrity, Chef Bananas, who is bringing his unique brand of family entertainment to the virtual world. Chef Bananas, welcome to the show. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Ring, ring the banana phone. 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 Yellow. Oh, hi, Mom. It's my mom. Mom, why are you calling? I'm in the middle of something. Why are you calling me right now? What? No, Mom. I have my hat. My hat is on my head. Yes. No, I have my glasses, too. They're on my face. <laughs> Mom, I gotta go. I'm in the middle of something right now. What? No, I didn't forget the meeting. No, Mom, I'm in the middle of the meeting right now. That's what I'm doing. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Bruce. I'll be right back with you. Okay. Mom, I got to go. Really? Okay. All right. I have an idea. Hold on a second. Okay, Mom. All right, Bruce. I have an idea. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to say he's on the phone <laughs> so that my mom can hear and we can get on with this interview because this is crazy. Mom, you're not supposed to be calling me. All right. Hold on, Mom. Okay, Bruce. On three. Here we go. One, two. Three. He's on the phone. Mom, did you hear that? Okay, good. All right, because I got to go. Yeah, I have to go, and I'm a grown-up. You're not supposed to be calling me in the middle of my show. Everybody's laughing at me, even Bruce. <laughs> Listen, see, I got to go. Okay, Mom. Yeah, all right. Okay, I love you, too. Please don't call back. I got to go. Okay, all right. Bye-bye. Yep, love you, too. Bye. He's amazing, he's unreal, an entertainer with appeal. You really want to take your camera to remember Chef Bananas. I'm really sorry, Bruce. I really apologize. You know, my mom calls me all the time when I'm, I'm in the middle of shows. She's not supposed to be calling because I'm a grown-up. Well, actually, my real name is Chad Jacobs, not Chef Bananas. But you know what? My real mom calls me all the time, too. I'm sure that happens to all of you guys, doesn't it? Yeah, my mom does that to me all the time. So tell me, how did you get to be Chef Bananas? I think I started being interested in magic when I was about seven. And I started performing and doing shows, talent shows at school when I was maybe nine and bringing magic tricks to school and showing all my friends and you know doing variety shows and talent shows and stuff like that all through my high school years. But it wasn't something that I necessarily dreamed of. It wasn't something that I just, I didn't really think it was a real thing when I was a kid. I, I didn't think that, you know, being a family entertainer or a kid's entertainer I guess I realized that people do that, sort of. But when I was that age, it didn't seem like if it was real, 
that it would ever be something that I would do. It wasn't something really that ever crossed my mind, to be honest. I was interested in magic for a long time. And I was working after college. I, I came back to St. Louis to work for my family who had a restaurant here in St. Louis that opened in 1977. So it was open for almost 40 years. And I was working there and I was going to local meetings of the International Brotherhood of Magicians and also the Society of American Magicians. Both have chapters here in St. Louis. So I was going to meetings and that was sort of what I was doing for fun, especially once my kids were born. It was my new hobby that I was trying to put more time into after taking several years a break from doing magic. A few years after being back at, at the restaurant, we decided it was sort of time to close. So I always thought to myself when the restaurant was open and I was there, if I was in any type of situation to try to, to give it a go, a real go at being a professional, because I really loved magic. I loved doing the few shows that I did do when I was at the restaurant, that I was going to get serious and I was going to actually try to do it for real and give myself an amount of time to see if I could make it work. What does it mean to you to be an entertainer for family, but especially for children? The most sort of simple, rudimentary thing that I think about is just that I get to entertain people for a short period of time, and I, I get to take them away from the real world. I get to show them something that maybe they've never seen before. It's a unique character. It's a unique show. My script is unique. So everything about what I'm doing is very unique to me. The other thing that I feel like I get to do for kids, which also is true for adults, but especially for kids, is that I really feel like I can be an inspiring character for kids. They can see what I'm doing and they can think to themselves, if this guy can be a magician and be this entertaining and be this much fun and be able to do it, then I can do what I want to do too, no matter what it is. That's a really great way to think about it. And this world, and especially with everything that we're going through right now, really needs great role models. And I think that's really fabulous that you are approaching it from that angle. Tell us about your first year as Chef Bananas. I, I know you've been at it now for a few years. Tell us what it was like when you first got into it, the transition from the restaurants into Chef Bananas. Well, the first show that I did, once I came up with the name Chef Bananas, it was just a brainstorming session with my wife. I knew I wanted to be a chef because I came from that world. All my professional friends and people that I know that have been doing magic a long time that have really great personas have had always told me the best way to come up with a good persona is to find something that is really part of who you are and take that and use that to create a character. And that's how I came up with a chef part. And another performer, I heard him lecture and his advice was, you know, to use a lot of silly words in your show. And so that's kind of how I came up with the word banana because everybody thinks it's a silly word. Kids especially think it's a silly word. Words like banana and words like pickle, you know, those are really funny. I've got a friend that is known as the great zucchini. It's another really funny word. So that's sort of how that started. And my first show as Chef Bananas was at the restaurant, actually. It was a fundraiser for the Society of American Magicians. It was the very first show I ever did as Chef Bananas. It was 99% adults because at that time, I didn't really know that I wanted to be a kid's performer. I just knew that the Chef Bananas character was going to be a great character. I had no idea. <laughs> So I did that show and afterwards it worked. I was shocked that it worked for adults. I suppose maybe eight or nine months later is when we ended up closing the restaurant. But up until that time, I sort of kept things going and I started working on a website and I started doing some things because I thought even if the restaurant stays open, I still would like to continue to do some shows here and there. Once we decided to close the restaurant, which was almost exactly three years ago now, it was in July of 2017. Once we closed, I already had something sort of in place. And I already had a website. 
I still didn't know that I was going to only work for kids, but those are the shows I started booking. And as I started doing kids shows and saw the reactions of the kids to a character that they've never seen before, I was amazed. I couldn't believe that I was being treated like a celebrity the moment I walked in the door. And these are all kids that had never seen me before. They've never heard of me, really. Just to see the kids before the show, see how attentive they were and how much fun they had during the show. And then afterwards, the amount of kids that like rush me to get hugs and high fives is just the coolest thing. After doing just a few of them, I knew that I had something. You know, that coupled with a really great website and a lot of cold calling on my part, I started promoting myself and I started trying to book shows for myself. And, you know, in my first few months, I was doing dozens and dozens of shows and ended up doing just a bit over 150 shows just in my first year. And I knew that if I could do that many shows in my first year when no one knew who I was and I was getting great reviews, all of my online reviews were fabulous. They still are, which I'm fortunate. I knew I had something and I knew that I could take it as far as I wanted to take it. That's really fantastic. It sounds like a, a lot of work to kind of ramp up to get it all going. And I can see why, though you did it, that just listening to you talk about it, I mean, it's got to be special for you to touch the lives of so many children and then just to see it on their faces, to see their reactions. It's in incredibly exciting. You know, I love every show that I do. I thoroughly enjoy, you know, super excited for the kids afterwards. I'm excited for them to come up and get a bunch of leg hugs after the show and high fives. Although that being said, just a quick interlude here uh, to that. I just did my first show in person Memorial Day weekend. I made sure that it was a safe show. I made sure that I had plenty of distance between me and the kids because it was in person and there was about 120 people indoors. I made sure everything was good. And then after the show, I just sort of forgot that this is what it was like because it's been so long since I've done an in-person show. But afterwards, you know, one little girl came running towards me with her arms out. And so, so I kind of turned around and sort of put my hands on my head and sort of acted like I was terrified. And the parents <laughs> thought it was kind of funny. And she gave me a hug and then she ran off. And then another kid was about to, I just kind of kept doing the same thing. And I, their parents were like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Come back, come back. So they were able to sort of stop the mob. But it's like that after a lot of my shows, it's sort of like a mob scene. Like all the kids kind of rush me. That's hilarious. You, you should come up with like a banana bump. So like instead of the elbow bump, you banana bump your kids as they come up. I think that's a great idea. Maybe I could figure out a way to affix a, a like a foam, you know, sponge banana to my elbow or something like that and, and be able to hold out my elbows at the end of the show with the bananas attached to them. Right, right. Tell me about the different venues that you would perform in for the kids. Well, the main venue that I worked in my first year especially was preschools. And during the summertime, preschools have what they call summer camp. They bring in a lot of performers every summer, and this is pretty typical in most areas. So I started calling these places and cold calling and just asking them and saying, do you bring in performers? Yes or no. And if they said yes, I told them what I did. I explained it to them. They thought it seemed interesting. I gave them my website. And once people went to my website, they were pretty much sold. At that time, I had one really good video on my website that a friend of mine did from a theater that I performed at. It was another fundraiser for the International Brotherhood of Magicians. He put that together for me so I would have a promo video, and it's a really great video. I put together a really creative website, really colorful, fun website for Chef Bananas that included that really fabulous video that was professionally put together. Once the directors of the preschools or whoever was booking the entertainers went to my website, saw that it was an exciting, interesting character, that's really all it took. 
He's amazing, he's unreal, an entertainer with appeal. You really want to take your camera to remember. Right off the bat, you started Chef Bananas. It became almost an overnight success. Kids love you. And then, as with the rest of the world, you were faced with this COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of your business revolves around face-to-face, person-to-person contact with family and kids. With everyone being forced to stay at home, how did that affect you? How did that affect Chef Bananas? Back in March, I started getting phone calls right away for cancellations of all kinds of shows. Preschool-type shows, birthday parties, outdoor events in the spring. I was really concerned. At that time, we didn't really know what the extent of all of this was going to be. It was all brand new and nobody really knew how long it was going to last. We all thought it would just go away. There were a lot of possibilities and I wasn't going to sit back and wait to see what happens. I figured out that I needed to come up with a, some way to continue working and some way to continue, you know, getting out there and providing entertainment for people. So I started looking at online platforms to start providing shows for people for all kinds of different events to see if there was actually a way that I could make it work in an online platform instead of in person, because that was really the only option that I could see for the foreseeable future. So I started researching the tech involved and started thinking about that. What was it that made you not give up? What was it that made you keep at it and go with the change and pivot your life and Chef Bananas? And I would say it's really a combination of a couple of things. The first thing is that I like challenges. I've always liked challenges. In my business, in my personal life, I've always kind of been the idea person, and it didn't stop in this situation. I kind of went immediately and started thinking about solutions. And after a little while, I realized that not only did I need solutions for my business and solutions to continue to provide for my family, but the public also needed solutions to their problem. And their problem was they've got a kid with a birthday party coming up, and they were supposed to have this amazing birthday party. And they have no idea what they're going to do. We've got all these other really amazing events that happen in the spring. And so I realized that people needed somebody to kind of come in and fill that gap for them and give them some options and show them how to do it and show them that it was possible. And it sounds like also that you're giving people hope and positivity. Some people may feel like they're drowning in in this kind of chaos or the, the craziness that we're all experiencing. But you're providing something for everybody that everybody really needs, whether you want to call it entertainment or positive vibes or positive energy or just happiness. Have you seen that in your interactions with people as you've turned virtual? For sure. Personally, I like to call it comic relief. That's what how I think about it, not just right now, but during regular times too, but especially now where there's so much stress and so much anxiety in everyone's life. And unfortunately, right now is just getting more and more prevalent. I feel like it's a moment of comic relief for people that they get to sort of escape. And it's almost, you know, has sort of a meditative effect, I suppose, for a lot of people, kids and adults, when they just get to sit and watch a show for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and let everything else go. In the virtual shows, I really didn't think that people were going to accept the medium at all. I just wasn't really sure. But as I started doing shows, I realized that as long as it's a good show, it really has the same effect. So, you know, that was my goal from the beginning was not to create something brand new, but to be able to provide the same kind of comic relief and the same show that I would do in their living room or on a stage or in a library or wherever I was 
I can take that same show and be able to deliver it directly to people in the same way, but on a different medium. My goal was to maintain a little bit of normalcy for people instead of developing something completely different to accentuate the fact that we are all here. My idea was I'm going to give you my show the same way I I gave it to you before and it's going to work and you're going to love it. So that was how I approached it. And now, now going virtual and entertaining people online, it seems like that would actually open up doors for you. I, because, you know, prior, a lot of your engagements were local, whether uh, libraries or schools or homes. But now, now that you're online, you don't have those borders anymore. I mean, you, you are now nationally Chef Bananas or, or even globally. Very true. I know a lot of performers that are doing shows across the pond, as you were, and all over the world. The hard part about that is that there's no way really to market that. So as much as as the market is there, trying to actually market something like that is incredibly difficult. That being said, I do have a show coming up for a client in New York. And this weekend, I've got a birthday party for a client in Minneapolis. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Thanks. Now, in turning virtual and going online and kind of that giant pivot that you've taken uh, requires a lot of technical know-how. Before all of this, would you have considered yourself technically inclined or was this a big kind of a ramp up and learning process for you in turning virtual? It was definitely a pretty big learning curve for me. I know a little bit about computers. I don't know a lot about computers. I know a little. Fortunately, my wife is a professional photographer and videographer. So I had her to bounce things off of and her to help me set up my lighting and to sort of troubleshoot a few things here and there which was helpful. It would have taken me a lot more time. But for the most part, I sat down and I watched probably 500 YouTube videos before I figured (laughs) out the right way to live broadcast a show and to be able to do it effectively with music, with the right lighting, with everything in order so that my screen wouldn't black out or people could hear me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what that process is like for you. You mentioned live broadcast, lighting, music. Where are you doing all this out of? Everything that I'm doing is in my basement. I live in a very small house that's about 980 square feet, which has a basement that is about half finished with a large bathroom and the other part of the finished area. So it's about, you know, maybe a third of the size of our house. So it's probably a total of, you know, maybe 400 square feet, if that. And I've got maybe a third of that where I have my backdrop set up. I've got lights. I've got the camera. So it's a very small space pretty much took my kid's playroom in order to get this set up. <laughs> How did your kids feel about that? They don't really care. They, they just like to come down and play with all my props, which is not my favorite thing. But they think it's pretty cool that I'm set up down here in the basement. And they also think it's cool that every time I do a show, they get to sit upstairs in the living room and watch me on the TV. So when you had to ramp up on all the technology stuff, what did you do to keep yourself from going bananas? Well, I didn't keep myself from going bananas. I actually continued going bananas and continued doing shows. And so I I really never stopped. He's amazing. He's unreal. An entertainer with appeal. You really want to take your camera to remember Chef Bananas. So now that you have everything set up, how has the reaction been to your virtual shows? I think people are loving it. Everybody is ecstatic about it. And I think that it's much better than people expected it, it was going to be. I think they were just expecting just something recorded as as if they were watching a video online somewhere or watching a movie or something like that. This is not like that. You sort of get the feel a little bit that you're watching on a screen because you are, but it's also 
you sort of also get the feeling that it's like a truly interactive type of TV show. And that's what I think is really cool about what I'm doing. And I, there are some other performers doing the same thing, but it feels like TV or the movies or something like that to kids and to adults, but it actually is interactive, like in a real way. And there's nowhere else that I know of that that's happening. So this has really opened up something interesting and opened up my eyes to the to possibilities of trying to put a show like this together in the long term where it's an, basically an interactive TV show for kids. You make a really important point, and I think that might really help differentiate you from potential other virtual entertainers, is that interactivity. I think that's what people are missing these days. It's being able to interact with others. So you ensuring that you are keeping that in your shows is extremely important. Yeah, you know, the the thing I think that a lot of entertainers are afraid of and what is scaring them about this new medium is that they're used to bringing people up on stage, which is a, a very common thing that most people who have ever seen a magic show, especially a, a smaller type of magic show where it's not a lot of giant illusions or something. I mean, even those shows bring people up on stage as well, but smaller scale type shows where every routine, there's a kid coming up on stage in a family type show like that. Well, that's not really the way that I do my show in person. I really only bring up a kid maybe once or twice in my whole show when I'm doing it in person. What I prefer to do and what I think works better personally for this type of audience, for kids and, and families either way, is working with the crowd as a whole and sort of having them interact all together at the same time rather than bringing somebody up and doing something specific with them and having everybody laugh. Another you know, reason and I think another problem with a lot of entertainers and other entertainers will tell you this is that sometimes when performers bring kids up on stage, what you're doing a lot of times is you're sort of making fun of them and everybody is sort of laughing about it. I think that it's a kind of a problem in this industry and it's something that I don't have to worry about in my show because as I said, typically I like to work the entire audience at the same time. I just think it's a better feel for the show. And I think everybody has a better time that way rather than laughing and being entertained by my interaction with one other person. Explain what a show looks like as you're doing a live broadcast. So when I was putting my show together and I was deciding how I was going to do it, I chose a platform that would allow me to, to actually interact with the kids. I chose a platform where I could hear them and I could make sure that their microphones were unmuted so that they could hear me and they could hear the other kids, they could hear each other. So for me, it was very important to not be doing it on some other platform where the only way to actually be interacting with the performer and the other people watching is by chat, because that's not actual interaction. It's not interaction in the same way that interaction is when you can actually hear and see everyone else. So that's why it's important for me to make sure it's on a platform where everyone can see each other and hear each other. That is a really unique and great way to set up the experience for the children, having everyone unmuted because it's totally not what you would expect people to do during video chats, at least, you know, in the corporate world or in the business world with important meetings, everybody's muting themselves so that they're not heard. But in your case, you want everybody to be heard. You want the kids to hear them each other. And that's really great because it, it really does create that dynamic and live audience feel. And, and the kids can interact with each other as well. That's right. When I start the show, I make sure and tell the kids, make sure that they're watching the show, but they also want to see each other. So if they want to go in and look at the other kids or they want to make sure and pay attention to what the other kids are doing and what the other kids are saying, that's a really important thing to do. 
it's very interesting that you mentioned that it's sort of the opposite of what a lot of people do because I've been meeting with a group around the world of entertainers uh, really since probably the end of March. And I'm also in a lot of different groups online where entertainers are talking about how they're doing things and how things are working and not working and what they're going to do, what they don't want to do. And it's a very small fraction of us that have decided that we are going to make sure that everybody's unmuted. I'm not in the majority on that. I can tell you most people are thrilled that they get to make sure that everyone is muted and they wish that they had that feature in their live shows. So the last time we talked, you had told me a little little story, which I, I thought was really cool, that kind of stemmed from everybody being unmuted. And while you were setting up your show, I think you started your video chat a bit before the show. Yeah, usually when I start, it just kind of depends. But for the most part, what I do is I get set up, I've got my backdrop set up so that when people come into the meeting, I'm somewhat out of the shot. I try to stay in the shot as people start to come in so that I can encourage them to say hi to each other, to say something to the, you know, to the birthday kid and to start that sort of community thing before the show actually begins. So I try to facilitate that as much as I can. And then just before I'm going to start, I kind of walk off screen and, you know, leave my microphone muted just for a couple seconds just to kind of get ready and take a few deep breaths before I start. And there was one specific show that, that I remember this boy was, was so incredibly excited for the whole thing. And he was talking to his dad and his mom and he the biggest smile on his face. And, and I think his, uh, one of his siblings was there sitting next to him and just like, you know, total permagrin on this kid's face. And I, you know, I walked off to the side to get, I think, to get a drink of water just before the show start. And I heard this, this little boy, you know, ask his dad, he said, did he do all of this for me? did Chef Bananas create this whole thing just for my birthday? And his dad said, yeah, he sure did. <laughs> and this kid was like, smiled the entire show. I mean, it was like, it was, it was kind of unbelievable. And it really did totally create that special feeling that, you know, so many kids feel like they need on their birthday, you know, and the thing that the parents are trying to give them on their birthday. So I felt really good about that. And it, it reassures me that what I'm doing is achieving the goal that I'm trying to achieve. And it's not just sitting kids in front of a screen to watch something. Oh, that is really special. So I'm curious, now that you're moving to a virtual entertainment show, how do you feel about this move? And, and your other friends who are entertainers from around the world, have you talked to them about this? What, what are their thoughts? And, and you know, do you all agree? Are, are there different approaches to the new kind of virtual entertainment? I have spoken to a lot of people and I still meet with them regularly. Everybody sort of has a different idea really about what they believe. First of all, in terms of what they feel about it now, in the beginning, and this is still true now, there are a lot of people that have always said, I'm never doing a virtual show. I'm not going to do anything live. I'm not going to do anything recorded. That's not what my show is. My show has to have people. It's all about the interaction I have with the audience. And that's what my show is. And there's no way for me to do a show without those you know, elements of the show. So for a lot of people that felt that way in the beginning, and most of those people, I would say, realized that if they want to continue in this business for the next few months, that they're going to have to pivot and they're going to have to start doing this. So I would say a majority of people have moved to a point where they're providing some kind of show and a lot of them are doing recorded shows, pre-recorded shows instead of live shows. I would say the majority of people that I know are doing pre-recorded shows for schools and libraries. A lot of them are doing live shows for birthday parties. 
I didn't want to go that route. I think that it's important to to be live, even though you can't interact in the traditional way with them standing in front of you. You can still interact with the kids through the computer. So I decided to keep it that way for myself. There also are a lot of people that have not decided to do anything. They've chosen to wait it out, do something else, get a job. I know a lot of people who are getting jobs right now who were performers previously because they don't want to pivot their business. They don't want to have to come up with something different. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I'm not sure if they just don't think they're capable of it. But I do know a lot of people who are not doing anything. They're moving on for now, and they'll come back to it at some point in the future. So there's a lot of disagreement about how to do things. There's a lot of disagreement about whether you should do things. There's a lot of disagreement about what type of equipment to use. So there definitely is not any type of accepted reality to what's happening. So you've talked a lot about the importance of interactivity with the kids and that live engagement. Have you considered also going down the route of maybe pre-recorded shows or a subscription service, you know, something along those lines? I have thought about that a lot. I think that there's a lot of unknowing and there's a lot of fear in people right now because they are concerned about doing some kind of live event that has their name on it. And I think they're concerned about liability. The other thing that I'm doing a little bit of is I'm recording pretty much all of my shows that I'm doing right now, all of my live shows. So if I can figure out a successful way of manipulating the audio in such a way where I can remove the things I need to remove and giving that to the clients that want something pre-recorded rather than doing a whole separate thing for them, that's really my preference because I think it will be better. As far as a subscription service or something like that, where I'm constantly providing content, it's not something that I think I will do too soon. Maybe a, a weekly show or something like that I may do. He's amazing, he's unreal, an entertainer with appeal. You really want to take your camera to remember. Now, you've done a great job of pivoting and transforming through this crisis. It sounds like some of your friends who are entertainers don't necessarily agree with the pivot or don't want to do it. And that that might be kind of the critical decider of how this sort of virtual entertainment moves forward and evolves. I've heard people say that we'll never go back to normal. And while it's true, we'll never go back to our old normal. We are evolving into a new normal. We're creating a new normal. With everything that you've learned and experienced with your pivot as an entertainer, how do you see this evolving moving forward? Well, I hope that in general, we go back to the old normal, at least in some ways. I was just having a conversation with performers from probably six or seven countries, and everybody is struggling with the same thing. Just a few days ago, we talked about what is this going to look like when shows actually return? And we're not talking about necessarily virtual shows, but we're talking about what is this new normal like and how are we going to deal with the new normal once people actually start having shows again? And it's complicated. We feel like we have to do a big part in educating the public about what they need to do to be safe, what we need to do to keep ourselves safe and put restrictions on shows. And really going that kind of route is what we really see as the future for quite a while. And I think everybody pretty much agrees with that. As far as the online shows, I'm certainly going to keep offering them, and I may even start marketing them. But I like the fact that because I'm set up to do things virtual, I can do a full show virtually. I can do an hour from my basement if I need to, and I know it's a great show. I think it's going to open a lot of doors for myself, and I think it's also going to allow other clients to really provide some things that maybe they had no idea they could. 
So you've got a wide variety of clients that love your shows. But in this current crisis era where everybody's working from home, have the organizations and schools and libraries that you had been engaged in prior, have they continued online services? Are you still finding that you can entertain the kids through the libraries and schools? Yeah, most of those type of institutions have converted their shows to online shows. If they we had shows booked prior, they are converting them into online shows. And if not, then some of them are moving forward with new online bookings. I wouldn't say that's the case for libraries, for instance, because most of their booking happens during the summer. There are other schools that are trying to put systems in place where they are going to be showing it in each individual classroom. So there are a lot of different ways that they are moving forward with this because they don't want their kids to miss out on this part of education because it's really important, especially in elementary schools where most of these types of shows are not just entertainment, but they're educational shows and they go along with the school's curriculum. It's important that the school keep this, you know, as part of what's happening. So they're doing a really good job of incorporating it. So with you pivoting in your business and the schools and libraries trying to pivot as well, as you learned and ramped up to turn your business virtual, is there anything that you're able to offer them in terms of guidance or insights into how they might be able to leverage your services and your entertainment and keep you in the fold and continuing to entertain children? The biggest thing that I feel like I've been able to do for, for libraries especially, but even uh, summer camps, and frankly, I guess the public too, parents looking for entertainers, is that these new platforms that we can do shows on, these online platforms, that they're safe and that they're not really scary. Because I think that is the hardest part for parents because they're just nervous about something happening, obviously, to their children or something their kids being exposed to something that they don't want them exposed to. And as far as public institutions are concerned, they are concerned a lot about liability. So what I've really spent a lot of time doing is trying to explain to all of my clients about how it really is a very safe platform. There's not a lot, really a lot that can happen. Of course, things do happen, but it's a safe enough platform. And also that it works because the hardest part is that people, until they see it, until they experience it, they have no idea really what it looks like. And I can show them, I can tell them, but until they're in the middle of a meeting where they see all the kids and they hear all the kids and they can watch the show and it's a lot of fun, they really don't know what to expect. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to figure out how to tell them in such a way that they can sort of see it in their heads. Is there anything you want to tell the kids who might be listening out there? Well, for all you kids that are nervous and scared that school is going to be boring in the future, you're not going to have lots of exciting things happening, there aren't going to be lots of community things happening, I can tell you that organizations of all types, libraries, communities, schools, you know, wherever you go, wherever you like to hang out, if for some reason we aren't able to do live shows for months and months, then there is an alternative and you should tell your mentors and other folks that are responsible for these places that there are other options out there if they want to do something fun and they want to do something special for the kids, that there are options and that all they need to do is do a little bit of searching to find these options and these options can be successful for them and they can provide, you know, really something that's much needed. And so for all the kids out there or the parents, if somebody wanted to book a show with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out? 
The best way would be just to go to my website, which is chefbananas.com, just how it sounds, just how you spell both of those words, chefandbananas.com. There's a really cool video if you're interested in a in an online show. There's a great video that my wife put together for me with some footage from one of my shows. And I've got video and pictures of a bunch of different kids in their own houses and how how much they're enjoying it. It really gives you a good feel for what the show looks like and what the show feels like. It's just a really quick kind of, I think it's about 40 seconds long, but it'll give you a really good idea of how the show looks. And I promise after you see that video, you will absolutely want your kids to go bananas too. Yellow. Oh, hi, mom. Mom, why are you calling? I'm still in the middle of this interview. I'm talking to Bruce. Why are you calling? I told you everyone is laughing at me and I'm, I'm a grown up. You're not supposed to be calling me. Why are you calling? What? Mom, my underpants. Mom, <laughs> you call all the time. You think I forgot everything. You got my glasses, my hat. You always think I forget everything. Oh, wait. Uh, mom, hold on a second. Actually, uh, let me check something. Mom, I forgot something this time. I gotta go. Okay. Okay, bye. Uh, well, um, hmm. Sorry, Bruce, but uh, I forgot something at home. I gotta go. See ya. Bye, Chef Bananas. <laughs> Chef Bananas, thank you so much for making my birthday really enjoyable and for making birthdays and celebrations and events that everybody's kind of experiencing through these times so much more fun. I know that there are a ton of kids out there who will love seeing you at your show. And Chad, while you're here too, Thank you so much for joining us and, and taking all this time to chat with us about Chef Bananas and everything that you're going through during this period. Yeah, for sure. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. It's important during these uncertain times that we do what we can to help light the path through the darkness. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken, for Luminaries in the Dark. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.